0: Today I would like to approach the topic of self-acceptance, self-compassion, self-kindness from a non-dual perspective. As I already said when we used the methods, for example, of self-compassion from Christy Neff, which is an important part of our journey but uh, these kinds of methods they are dualistic and provisional so they are very helpful and precious and probably the level of practice where we are but they are not uh, liberating they they are not um, they are not the real medicine they are not the ultimate medicine they are provisional placebos for confused people like us that does not devalue them, of course, and I think we can all continue this kind of provisional work for many, many years. But we also can have glimpses of non-duality, and also we can have a bit of a vision, Uh, so even if now the non-dual approach is not experienced, but just uh, having it as a vision, something to walk towards, creating the conditions so that we shift from an understanding, intellectual understanding, to the experience. So before I continue to talk, let's Ah, One one point, and I'm saying this because I want to point to this in the first meditation after settling, setting an intention. With a non-dual approach, it's good to assume or see, accept that Whatever you experience you experience within consciousness, within awareness. Yeah. So whatever you experience right now, it looks like it's outside, but what you ex- the experience of what you call outside is an inner experience. Yeah. So what you now see and what you hear, and what you feel is an appearance in consciousness. It's almost not so radical to say it, but actually to experience it is quite radical, because we are always in this assumption that we're experiencing the outside world. And that's not the case and one can approach that from a neuropsychological point of view, yeah? but um, it's even more profound than that. But also from a neuropsychological point of view, like the mental image you now see, the experience of, of me here is a mental image in your Frontal cortex. It's a hologram in, in the frontal cortex and it is heavily distorted um, just by the fact, for example, that uh, you perceive only the f- I don't know how many percent of the possible information uh, right now. So that's already the first filter. So very little information actually reaches um, the different processes in, in the brain. And then We heavily distort the information through our experiences, through our psychological history, through our culture. And then something appears, and this is an appearance in consciousness, an appearance in awareness. And it's made from the stuff, from the same stuff as your dreams. It's the same. So let's take a few moments to shift into a meditative awareness. If you like, you can close your eyes. Take a few moments to connect with your inner life. Allow the shift happen from the from the head to the body, maybe starting with the whole body, even down into your feet, noticing your own energy as it is. If it helps, you can la- slightly place your attention to the breath. Very lightly, so that you have a bit of an anchor. And then maybe you can release some of the tension The belly and in the shoulders. How are you tonight? and let thoughts drift into the background. Just stay with felt sense in your body and the sounds. and return when you get entangled into the stream of thinking. You go towards the bare experience So the spacious aliveness in your belly, in your hands, or wherever you can feel it, relaxing the grasping. call upon our mentors, the lineage. Allow yourself to feel the glow, the healing glow, the loving glow surrounding you, soothing you, loving you. sitting in the light of the Bodhisattva angels. Like many other people right now who sit in the presence of the Divine. everything to arise within the loving awareness. Softening, opening, allowing what is. The refuge field dissolves into light, into warmth, into love, and it fills your body completely, particularly strong at the heart, the heart chakra, and you become aware of the Buddha within. A source of love and wisdom within. And from your essence, the light, the healing, the love spreads into your whole body. And then pour, pours out, radiates out to the pulse of your body into all directions, from the Buddha within, from the source You feel that you are in the center of your life, in past, present and future as a source of love and compassion, loving awareness. And you look through the eyes of an awakened Person, you feel to the heart of an awakened person. Loving awareness, spacious loving awareness within which everything comes and goes. The loving gaze. As if the Buddha or Tara looks through your eyes and moves your hand moves your hands and make you speech, make you speak. That's why we're here tonight, to make contact with the Buddha within, with the Tara within. and to live from the Tara within, from the Buddha within for the benefit of everyone. Sitting a few more moments, just in openness. Together. And whatever your experience is right now, unpleasant or pleasant or neutral, It's an appearance in mind, it's an appearance in consciousness. Like a dream. This voice, your thoughts, your feelings, the other sounds, The mental image of sitting here in this room, the other people, the experience is an appearance in consciousness. If you have questions in between, you can interrupt me. I have no particular territory to cover tonight, so I can go wherever you want to go. What would what be what would be the Sorry. difference? Ordinary language consciousness is the one that's inside your head, and the one that's inside my head. Yeah. They are separate. Yeah, that's okay. Say that. Mm. I could both I could say both okay. both make sense within the Buddhist uh, <coughs> within the Buddhist teachings so sometimes it's more emphasized that we are separate separated streams of consciousness and then in some some teachings they talk about the consciousness, <laughs> the, 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 the fundamental dhammakaya consciousness, where, where there is no separation. Hmm. So it depends a bit if you already have an understanding or that's your assumption that there is a kind of all-pervasive consciousness, and that fits very well into the Buddhist uh, map. And if you were more assume that there's like private consciousnesses, which are separate from each other, then that would also fit into the Buddhist map. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea how it is. <laughs> but I like the first one, and that's also what Lama Sopa teaches. Mm. So we are, to kind of just give it a headline, uh, we are still wondering on how to handle the I am not good enough self. That's, I mean, that's like the title. The I am not good enough self. And we have spent quite some time to get to know that I am not good can can you switch out your beep beep? Um, so it has many variation and we can call it different names, but we looked at it, and it's quite painful to to get to know that part of us. And then we have uh, looked into so how can the practice of self compassion. In uh, particular, Kristin uh, how can how can can help that to, uh, to move into an area of more wholesome conditioning? So, I, the I am not good enough is, is an unwholesome conditioning. And, uh, and we, can, uh, we can establish more wholesome condition. Conditionings. We can we can change to a certain degree our inner dialogue from beating ourselves up to having a more kind dialogue, and that takes time. Yeah, so it's um, it's not. Uh, it's just by understanding how you damage yourself with repeating the mantra "I'm not good enough," and then seeing how oh, I could also uh tell i could have another dialogue then to establish that dialogue takes time and and a certain a certain amount of perseverance perseverance so now i i want to look at a different approach and that is doing nothing. Uh, radical acceptance. And it could be that some of us, um, know, you know, trying to do all the self-improvement stuff and this and that, and trying to change habits, you know, like with 50 you kind of give up. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's like, I mean, it's good to do that stuff because it has it, it, it has an effect, sure. But at one point, I think you come to this place, wow, this is it actually. What now? <laughs> uh, how can I, how can I come to peace? How can I come to uh, an experience of wholeness while also radically accepting who I am, stopping that uh, that journey of trying to become someone else, but completely radically embracing who you are, including your psychological history and including your uh, unwholesome habits. So not liberating from, but in a way liberating for, so liberating for who you are and not liberating from certain things you don't like. And certainly the I am not good enough complex is something initially you want to get rid of because we see it's a parasite, it's it's just sucking. It can be quite uh, and disenchanting, you know, to do like, Christian for ten, ten years, <laughs> and you know, and still there's this nagging, "I'm not good enough." I'm not saying you shouldn't do the, you no, know, the provisional medicine, but uh, it's good to. See the possibility that there's another, another more radical uh, approach to freedom. You wanted to say something.
1: Yeah. If it gets, you wake up in the morning and you always have these. You don't make your thoughts; they just come to you, yeah. and they come every morning, and you are like not good enough, and to just get not get rid of them, but to accept them, but they don't disappear
0: by accepting them and accepting them and accepting them all the time. So now I'm talking about something very radical. So I'm not talking about accepting them so that they go away. I'm talking about accepting them. Point. Yeah. That's
1: a big difference. I know that. And that's what I'm doing. Trying. Yeah.
0: That's appropriate. Mm -hmm. Of course. It's instinctual. And and there is uh, there is a certain relief in being able to stop or you know, move your mind into another direction. Yeah. Uh, and we should do that. Yeah. I, I mean, there's no there's no benefit in uh, getting sucked into this again and again. No. Yeah? That's it. Uh, and then and then I think one can use. Uh, you know, we, want, we have a toolbox so we we know the we know the refuge we can take or we we know we know what helps us to move a bit out of the identification mm. and in the same time we can also explore the possibility or the depth and experiment with it when a radical acceptance happens mm. So I uh, picked a quote uh, from Pondo Pondobrimpoji from his book, uh, Mind Beyond Death. Uh, I've used this quote before. Um, some of you have already heard it. And he's using the example of anger. Uh, but, uh, so I want to apply the, the approach here. Uh, which he is describing, to um, to the I am not good enough self. The true nature of mind uh, that you are looking for is found simply in whatever you experience now, in this very moment. So the true nature of mind is referring to is referring to the most subtle level of mind. The true nature of mind. So it is referring to your essence. It is referring to the experience that you are already whole now. So it is referring to the experience of that within you, which is innocent. So the experience of or the discovery of innermost awareness, another word, Rigpa, that is the goal in in the practice of Tibetan Buddhism, making contact with the source of love and wisdom. So Sakshanponlok Rinpoche says, what you're looking for, let's say you have an attack of I am not good enough. So that's what we now assume. That's what we're working with. So." Of course, we are looking for something else – peace, love – but we experience, I'm not good enough. So what he says now, what you're looking for is simply found in your experience now, in this very moment. There is no true nature beyond that. So if, when we have an attack of, I am not good enough, we feel like that's not it, there must be something beyond. Yeah? And then we use provisional methods to somehow handle this, I am not good enough, because we are looking for something else than I am not good enough. Our usual problem is when an afflicted mind arises I have not yet mastered this thing. (laughs) Our usual problem is when an afflicted mind arises. So an afflicted mind I am not good enough is an afflicted mind. And try to connect with that. I mean, in your own, maybe it's not the I am not good enough self, but, you know, like, uh, you know, the ashamed self, the guilty self, the, the self, you know, the dissatisfied self. So that is the afflicted mind. And it's called afflicted because it's painful. So our user problem is when an afflicted mind arises, we do not recognize its ultimate nature. So we we look at it, and by now I think we should have had we should all have a sense of when this parasite is manifesting, how it feels, where it's in your body, what are the usual stories. So he says our problem is we don't see it as what it is. We don't see its ultimate nature, its fundamental state of emptiness. So now comes the, this is the thing. And then we have to have, when, yeah, we, we have to have a break after this. <laughs> so we do not see its vividly arising energy, yeah? vividly arising energy can, can be really energetic. I'm not good enough self. So can be really sharp it can be really vivid like it has a lot of power it's a, it's a it's a particular strong parasite so it's vivid there's a lot of vitality in it it really knows what it wants <laughs> yeah. So we do not see its vividly arising energy as the display of our own primordially pure awareness. So we don't see it as the display of our primordially pure awareness. Our innate wakefulness. So this vividly arising appearance and we don't see it as the display of our pure awareness. We see it as something else. If we now use the image of the waves and the ocean, so the parasite arises from the ocean vividly and has its own energy, but it is not recognized as a display of the ocean. It is recognized as something else. It is actually recognizes as something which seems to separate us from the ocean. Yeah. Another image they use in this approach is the sun and the sun rays. So the sun as your essence, the source of love and wisdom, and the sun rays the experience you have. So we have an experience, the vividly arising parasite, and we don't recognize this as a display of the sun. We see it as something else. And then we look for the sun somewhere else. We try to look somewhere else. So we, we try to look away from the sun rays or sun rays to see the sun. Or we try we look we try to look away from a wave to see the ocean. Or we try to flatten the wave so that we then can see the ocean.
1: But should we be the wave then all the time to just accept and be the wave?
0: Let's see what he says. We think that it is purely a poison, a pleasure, and not only. I mean, instinctively we see it like that, but this is also supported by some, you know, some Buddhists, uh, you know, in some levels. This is how we would see this attack. We would see it as a clash, And then we would apply apply antidotes. So now he goes into the example of aggression. But it's it's the same with uh, the I am not good enough self. If it is aggression that (coughs) appears, we think, I should not have this aggression. I should be experiencing the nature of mind. So, if we experience, I am not good enough self, then we think, I should not have this experience, I should experience wholeness, I should experience love, and then we look somewhere else. Consequently, we push the aggression away and try to find the nature of mind elsewhere. And this is um, I like this other better, you know. I mean, here you, you can't touch the thing, you know. Then something happens. <laughs> Should be in advance, please. <laughs> um, so we we try we. we Try to push this away and look uh, somewhere else. And this is a big problem, uh, particular with—I mean—with ev- with everything. But uh, with the "I am not good enough" self, if we apply an antidote, it's aggressive. We start a conflict. We start it in a war, and we also, we make it more real than it is. So, like, we start to argue. So this, the parasite, I have to show here, it's here. Uh, uh, This parasite, uh, if you try to argue with it, uh, you give it more, you give it more reality. And it always wins somehow. It always has the better arguments. And and you know, it, it's like tra- positive thinking. It's like, you know, it's, it's violent. You, you, you have an enemy and then you try to overcome that enemy with smarter kind of thinking, with arguments why you should think I'm good enough. And I, I guess we all have tried that, yeah? we all have tried to argue with the inner judge, and somehow the team of judges always wins. And there's a conflict in your mind. This conflict uh, uh, takes away vitality, so you become exhausted. There's nowhere we can find the nature of mind outside the aggression we're experiencing now. So this is really a game changer in terms of how you look at your inner life. So you start to see the movements of your inner life as sacred. Is this sacred? Secret, what is that? Secret.
1: Sacred.
0: Secret. sacred. 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 Yeah. Sacred. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Sacred. Sacred. Mm. Not sacred. Mm. Sacred. Mm. sacred. Mm. So we see our inner life as a shoreless ocean of unconditional love displaying itself. in a dualistic view we say when we have a compassionate thought that's the sacred if we have a judgmental thought that's not that's not sacred and we do something about it so here in the non-dual view we uh, recognize everything as display <coughs> the display of the divine every. Every aspect of yourself, every experience, is recognized as the display of the divine, as the movements of the divine. And this is not a kind of glossy. You no, know, you try to uh, like think, yeah. So we uh, we create conditions that we actually see it that way. We actually see it like that. We experience it it like that. So for that, of course, there is first the acceptance of what I said in the beginning, that everything you experience is an experience with an awareness. An experience and consciousness. Can we just switch that out? Or no? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay and we uh, imagine it as the the divine moving. (laughs) No, we imagine it as the breath of the dakini, the the warm breath of the dakini. That's a poetic expression from the tantric tradition about this practice, the warm breath of the dakini. So the the parasite, I'm not good enough, is experienced as the warm breath of the tachini. So now, he describes a bit how, how this looks like. Therefore, we have to look at that aggression as straightforwardly as possible straightforwardly as possible we have to look at at we have to look at it directly just as directly as our eye consciousness looks at looks at space so it's like directly looking it's not uh, kind of thinking oh i should see that as divine it is just directly looking at it a bare looking at the experience of the parasite. The sensations in the body and the story. And you just directly look at it. Or you could say not... so if we take the eye out yeah. so it's a directly looking of directly looking. Which is uh, already, I mean, if you have a bit of a sense of that, what, what that means, to directly, directly looking at the I am not good enough, which is maybe sitting here somewhere, or I don't know where it sits in here. I mean, it is not in the same place, but in my case it seems to be kind of sucked in here. Um, so if you directly look at it, there is already this connection with that which is bigger. directly looking. And usually we are very much identified with the I am not good enough self. So by directly looking at it, there is already the experience. There is something more than this. I can look at it. Looking at it happens. In the same way, we penetrate all the disturbing emotions that arise for us. So all uh, all disturbing emotions. We look straight at whatever is there in any moment of consciousness without labeling it or altering it. So that's that's a very important instruction. Not labeling it and not altering it. So not it's non-interfering. You just look at it, and look here does not mean with the eye consciousness. So it's 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 it can it can be also feel or cognize cognize the cognition of of that without la- without labeling. So what what does that mean? it means to follow the question what is this which i call the i am not good enough enough self or the i am not good enough experience what is this without words what is it so what what is there so you you drop you drop the storyline. You even drop the storyline of it's unpleasant. So he, he then says it's important to experience the texture of aggression of passion, of jealousy in its natural raw state. And that's what we usually don't do. So usually we are not experiencing the experience fully. And when we don't experience an experience fully, there's a residue. And that residue in the Buddhist Teachings it's called karma. So when we don't experience something fully, then the experience does not disappear, but there is a there is a leftover which is which we carry then with us. Yes. And the labelling prevents us from experiencing. Yeah. Yes. Because the labelling could be something this is not good, it sucks, I want to go somewhere else. And so we create like a, we create a boundary around it. And, and, uh, and, and we want, we don't want to experience it fully because there's sadness in it or fear. But also, sadness or fear are labels. Yeah. So they are mutually exclusive, the fully uh, experiencing and the conventional labeling in any given moment? Uh, mutually exclusive. Uh, uh, I mean, there are certain degrees of this to disassociate from an experience. So one can have. A bit of a story and words, and still you will be in touch. And then there's a the possibility of just, you know, completely trying to push it out of your uh, your experience. But to to completely to completely experience something, you need to have a direct direct experience, and the direct experience is a non-conceptual experience. Yes.
1: you have to be utterly courageous, courageous yeah. to do that. Mm-hmm. Do you need some help for that more than we are doing here? Uh,
0: no, not more than we are doing here, but you need some help. Uh, that's I right. So. <laughs> really. And that's why uh, in the Buddhist uh, uh, tradition, one starts always with you know taking refuge and establishing bonds to some deities who are to a lama or so that so you you always before you and this could be for many many years the emphasis to uh, to establish a safe place uh, within within you um, because otherwise if you do this you will not be able to hold it yeah so it's, it doesn't make sense to kind of push yourself towards something which then becomes overwhelming. So it's a bit of a uh, yeah, trial and error. And how much work do I need to do in terms of grounding, in terms of refuge, in terms of um, really experiencing that which is bigger than you and which can which can hold everything and experience something uh, without labels. You know one can one can start with uh, something less challenging, like I do it sometimes with the sensation in your hands when I lead this meditation. so, so the sensation in the hands and then I guide you into the sensation in your hands and then I, uh, I, I say something, for example, the object of this meditation is not the mental image of the hand. And then you realize, yeah, right, I'm actually kind of... imagine my hand and take that as an object. And for some people, also breathing meditation is a very conceptual, like when they actually would look, then they start to see, wow, I'm actually meditating on a mental image of the breath. And, and it's like words, breathing in, breathing out, and it's in the belly, and so it's, uh, so. we can start with objects like that to, to see what does it mean to experience something, something uh, non-conceptually, directly. You don't need to Start with uh, uh, with our core trauma, but you know, even we can do this with pleasant inf- with pleasant experiences.
1: Yeah, um, <clears throat> I know that sometimes there is sort of resistance to directly experiencing things because it, um, because uh, when I manage to practice in this way, things I make very important. Turn out to be just like some movement some tension some color and there's a sort of uh, clinging or almost sadness in this discovery Mm. Um, so i don't really know what my question is but maybe like how how this how the the bridge between sort of this seems so important. How should I do this? Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I be here? Should I be there? Mm-hmm. And then when you just look, it's just yeah. movement and vibration, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then mm-hmm. so it's like th- these two different things seems so different from each other. Like then, mm-hmm. so then then it can be a sort of clinging to the this stuff. Uh like I want things to
0: be important. Yeah, 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 sure. It's a bit of a disenchantment to figure out that nothing is important. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not really. Except uh, realizing that nothing is really important. (laughs) That is important. (laughs) But but, uh, maybe maybe in now in the beginning I think it's okay to uh, see that giving yourself the time to sometimes uh, in your meditation uh, go there will not diminish your capacity to continue to have your problems
1: yeah.
0: so it, it's okay I, I mean it's okay to uh, uh, to separate uh, this, Uh, this investigation, um, and, let's say, the daily planning mind which feels it's incredibly important. Um, And then to just notice, what's the effect if I sometimes drop the story? What happens then? What's the effect of it? Um, and not even thinking oh, how can I now bring this into that or, or just do it and then you, you see um, is that something helpful and if you figure out after some time oh it's actually not helpful at all I mean then then you might not need to go there for a while uh, it's a it's a misunderstanding that Experience things directly devalue them. That's actually not going to happen. But I can I can understand um, that there is a bit of a fear that that could happen. Yeah, but it's not happening. So you will you would actually. Um, you would actually... I mean, it could, of course, it could uh, happen that uh, the the value structure changes. Like, Like that some things you think is really important For example, to have Gucci handbags. (laughs) Is it Gucci? Yeah, Gucci. So, for example, the the importance to have Gucci handbags, that might disappear. And there might be a bit of sadness in that. (laughs) Yeah, because if you have lived your life in a way of really this is incredibly important to have a Gucci handbag, <laughs> and then you realize this is absolutely not important, mm-hmm. uh, then it could there could be a bit of a sadness there. Yeah. But you then w- you also experience mm-hmm. that there's then more space uh, for. Uh, for valuing things or uh, doing things in a way so that you are more aligned, which is really deeply important for you. So for now I would say just play with it and see what happens. And then you can also maybe distinguish, yeah, this is helpful with some things, like to drop all storylines, for example, with physical pain. Most people experience the value of being with physical pain whilst dropping the storyline. And this is, I mean, there's hundreds of studies showing that. So, so then we have a tool discovered for us to establish a different relationship to physical pain. Particular chronical pain, and then we might think, "Yeah, with the other things, I will, I, I will not go there right now. But I can apply it in this specific circumstances." Yes.
1: So if I understood it right, by looking on your problems or demons really directly, without escaping or. Mm. from it, that will make one able to more hold the difficult kind of, or or make it be labelled less, more like difficult, yeah. and, and not uh, bending away from
0: it. Yes, and in here, in this, uh, seeing is seeing the movement, the display, as manifestation of the divine seeing the movement seeing the display of the i am not good enough pain as a display of the divine mm-hmm. as the warm breath of the dakini okay altered the heart
1: thing like
0: a picture of the program, or of like This is of the yeah, I guess in the beginning uh, this this is a bit uh, it's a bit co- conceptual and and I will try to give you different approaches to this and after the break it's of course in the beginning it's a bit of like you know it's a bit of a story we tell ourselves yeah. Uh, but then it becomes uh, it becomes something non-conceptual, directly.
1: It's the divine de in something else. That's a good thought to begin with, I think. The, diwa, the divine, mm-hmm. because otherwise it's really scary. But if you have this thought, like yeah, a beginner. I mean,
0: yeah, a beginner. yeah, yeah. In the beginning we have this kind of thoughts uh, which might mm. already help us to be a bit more relaxed with our inner life, to be just a bit more relaxed with who we are. So instead of uh, feeling we are surrounded by enemies, <coughs> no? like the different aspects of ourselves, we see that we are surrounded by allies. Yeah. and we are not trying to, I, because you know, many years ago I watched Star Trek, uh, all I mean, all this you know, different this this Voyager uh, series. And it's a story about uh, like a s- quite small spaceship, and they are, to some I don't remember how, but they are kind of they end up. Far away in the unknown, and then they try to come back. So it's this journey of the small spaceship trying to come back, and there's a team, and and there's strange people in that team, yeah. But that's what they have, Mm -hmm. and they have to work together, and everyone is needed, and everyone has. can contribute something through, you know, they were weird people, you know, like weird, weird people, you wouldn't you wouldn't choose them as your team members, yeah, but here they are and you don't, don't have any choice. <laughs> so, and since then I like to, you know, see the, these different figures who are the different aspects of myself as team members. And we are on this journey. And the I am not good enough self is a team member.
1: And you don't really decide what team members you get? No,
0: you don't. No. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's because it's, that's yeah. connected with everything else. So it's, uh, there's so many conditions, mm-hmm. so we don't choose to be hurt mm-hmm. in a certain way.